Welcome to this week's episode. My name is Sarinda. I'm your host and you are listening to The Good Show. Now we're continuing our little series on special needs children within the military world. And today I've got the pleasure of having military spouse Michelle Norman on the show. Now Michelle has a 20-year-old daughter who has set I can never say this right Michelle, forgive me. Cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy and multiple other disorders and you also have a 14-year-old son and you've been a navy spouse for 28 years. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor. You know, I mean it's hard enough being a military spouse and then when you have a plate that is piled high you, you know got another um curveball thrown in there it's um i can only imagine how busy you you really are with everything that you've got going on yeah it's uh we have a tight schedule around here at all times and um but fortunately i've got a very loving supportive husband who really does help out um with the caregiving and the various you know things that come through the family as far as all the the events and places we need to be therapies doctors appointments you name it so um it really does take a, a team to do it and we've just been very fortunate over the years to to make it happen now i want to start off by asking about um the organization that you have founded with three other spouses called partners in promise L- tell me about how and why you ladies got together and how you started this off Absolutely. And first of all, Sarinda, thank you for having me today to share my story. Um so it really was my daughter's story and those of three other military spouses who were the inspiration for Partners in Promise. Um we all are military spouses who have children with special needs and we realized that we were not alone in our struggles to help our children, um, particularly in education. Um as we try to navigate this military lifestyle where we're moving so often um and you know I think the end of the the, the goal for us really is as organizations to ensure that all of our children have access um to an education so that they can become independent productive members of society so my story began um first of all just being a military spouse right for uh, mm-hmm. 28 yeah. years Um I'm an engineer by trade and uh first married my husband we met through college I'm also an engineer and he said hey I think I want to fly and so he joined the navy and off we go seeing the world you know everything that you dream about right as far as mm-hmm. that military adventure lived all over um you know Japan east coast west coast you name it um and so I think that's what people think first but then I don't think anyone ever dreams or thinks about you know would I ever have a child with special needs and yeah. so Um I think it's important to kind of mention that first right because there is a little bit of um the unexpected mm-hmm. there's a little bit of grieving you know that this is now my new life and um it's not one that I was really ever prepared for so you know here we are and we pivot yeah. and and that's exactly what we did um but we moved a lot you know once my daughter was born very early she was born at 2 pounds 3 ounces wow um she spent 8 months in the hospital um we just had multiple di- diagnoses mm-hmm. as a result of a brain bleed that she had so she has cerebral palsy ADHD anxiety um hearing loss dysphonia um you know a lot of different diagnoses but it doesn't slow her down let me tell you <laughs> she definitely is um you know a spitfire and she's just amazing as how far she has come 
Um, but, you know, then you throw in like just, again, that military life. We're moving yeah. so often. You know, you, you try to find your tribe, your community, the services, supports, and then up and at it two and a half, you know, two years, three years later, you're moving somewhere else and you have yeah. to start all over again. And when she was younger, it was okay. You know, we were mm-hmm. obviously a lot of it falls back on that caregiver spouse really to kind of make sure um, that everything is in place as far as her care goes. Um, you know, and I, I always say we are the most resilient and resourceful people out there are military spouses. And so mm-hmm. it was fine when she was younger, but then as she aged and when she um, finally started to receive, you know, school services, I think mean, that's when we just, you know, figured out that this is not going to be as easy as we thought. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where, you know, I think I started running into some problems when we were PCSing. I think I, the fourth time maybe. And uh, she was starting fifth grade and we were having a lot of problems with her individualized education program, which is called an IEP. So Uh many of those out there who might know in order to receive special education, you do need an IEP. It's something you're found eligible for. And um, there's a federal law that actually mandates it. It's called the Individuals with uh, Disabilities Education Act, which we call IDEA. Okay. I was very naive about it, to be honest. But when I started having problems um, with her at this local school, as far as her receiving um, what she was receiving before at another county, um, it became a, a little bit difficult. And I looked around like, hey, who's around to help me? My, my husband's about to deploy. Yeah. You know, is there any, are there any resources in DOD? Are there any local resources? You know, I really think I need someone else at this meeting with me. My, my trust your gut feelings, just something was wrong. Let me ask, can I ask you a quick question? Can I ask you a quick question, Michelle? Now, prior to coming to this county, the previous uh, educational facility she was at, was it understood that she had some special needs and were those being attended to? And then you you move, you take it out of there. Now she's in a new county. So now you've got to start the process all over again rather than paperwork and information transferring. You know, we had absolutely no issues before then, surprisingly. It also could be that I was naive and I didn't really know what my rights were or what her rights were. Um, But I, at that point, you know, she was receiving all of her support and services and we were in three different states. And so I don't know, that's the problem, right? Is that Mm -hmm. it can vary from school to school. It could vary from district to district within the states. Um, you don't really know because it's implemented differently yeah. um, within each state. And so um, no major issues up to that point. And it could be because when you're younger, um, you don't really see maybe as much as until you start, you know, developmentally reaching some of those milestones or not reaching some of those mm-hmm. milestones. So you could be like pretty much, you know, going through the motions and, um, you know, feeling pretty confident that maybe they are close enough to grade level but uh, there will be a time when you're like, okay, two, two grades below, you know, what she should be in math or reading. That should, you know, definitely put some red flags up. Yeah. For us, it's, you know, the law actually covers those transfers. You know, there is parts of the law that says, hey, if you go from one state to another, you know, you should be offered comparable services until that new school can evaluate and determine, you know, what that child needs. Um, You were thinking, well, how could it vary, you know, so much from state to state, right? How much can those needs change? It really shouldn't, right? Uh Especially if you just had them evaluated before you left. 
Um, but there could be a variety of reasons. It could be just the resources at that next location. It could be just maybe um, a budget situation. Mm-hmm. It, it could be many things. Um, but we knew that there were some issues when we first got here. Um, and we feel like, you know, once I started asking around and there was no support whatsoever, um, I had to find an advocate, you know, pay out of pocket um, for an advocate. And when that didn't work out, we had to eventually reach out and find a special education attorney. They're not easy to find. There was wow. no one locally here um, in our Virginia Beach area. I had to actually like look three, four hours away to find someone. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, we're an officer family. Fortunately, I, I have, you know, some means I can beg for money. I can do this, that, and the other. But what about 80% of our military families who are enlisted? Exactly. Exactly. Like, yes. Where are they going to go? Yeah. Where are they going to go? Um, and I just kind of, I, I just couldn't shake that feeling like this is, this is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kept that, you know, we kept battling, you know, for my daughter's education. And it, it was six years long. You know, we had to go to court. Wow. So we had to file complaints. We actually went to court twice. Um, and, you know, we won every single legal matter, but it took a toll on our family financially, yeah. emotionally. And I just, again, you know, why, why are we struggling alone? This did is you, not right. Did you not receive, could you not have gone to the JAG officer or is it a case of JAG officers not versed in special education law? Exactly. You hit it. Okay. They're not versed um, until now. Um, that okay. is something we advocated for um, through our organization. You know, once I, you know, went through my ordeal and I found a few other spouses, actually my uh, attorney is an Air Force spouse and oh. funny enough, special ed. Oh, attorney, wow. Okay. But yeah. That wasn't her like, you know, calling. She uh-huh. actually doesn't have, you know, she was, again, military spouse, child with special needs was having so many issues at these meetings where she decided to become a special education attorney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like, Hey, you know, you're not yeah. listening to me now. Maybe I need to go back to college yeah. and um, get that law degree. And then maybe you'll listen to me then yeah. as a parent. <laughs> wow. Um, no. and so that's crazy. <laughs> so there was another three spouses that you yeah. uh, came across and the four of you started partners in promise. We sure did. We said, you know what? Um, We looked around the space in the military organization space and no one was really um, advocating for military kids with disabilities and their education. It just was definitely um, a very niche area that just Uh wasn't really, um, you know, there were just no other organizations that had that type of focus. And that's fine. There's a lot of great organizations out there that are doing wonderful work supporting our, our communities. But this one, it really takes um, a lot of knowledge, right, about special ed, about the law, um, to be able to speak um, about things legally correct. And so we thought, well, you know, if no one's there, let's let's see if we can provide some support for our families. And so that's kind of how we began. Um, and it really took off because during this time, um, you know, you're doing your civic duty. I wanted to make sure that, you know, we engaged with our school board. Can we solve some of these, you know, challenges locally, right? This is where we live. and you know, you're always supposed to work with our local school board, but, you know, we didn't get anywhere <laughs> with that. Oh, wow. um, yeah, sadly. And so then I had to go the next step up to our congressional leaders, you know, our state delegates and those who work, you know, within the Commonwealth and um, really didn't get much support there as well. And so I just kept elevating these issues to the Navy, to DOD leaders um, and realizing that we came up empty each time as far as like, where are the resources to help these families that are struggling 
and don't know where to go. Um, and so I was able to, you know, just work a little bit. Uh, my name, you know, started to be um, thrown around in the advocacy yeah. world, built relationships, because that's really what it comes down to, you know, with these leaders. But we're always solution focused. And I think that um, you don't want to be a complainer. You want to come to the table with a solution. The solution, um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's how you that's how you become credible too, you know, is that this person is actually someone who has some ideas that can be um, something easy to implement. And so we, um, us four came up with the PROMISE Act. So the PROMISE stands for Protecting the Rights of Military Children in Special Education. And we came up with um, about five to seven initiatives that would better support our kiddos as they move from state to state. Um, And once I started talking to, you know, local representatives and um, congressional representatives about these initiatives. Um, the timing was just right. There was a hearing coming up about um, a DOD program that specializes in, in helping these families. It's called the Exceptional Family Member Program, mm-hmm. EFMP. It's a program that's been around since, um, gosh, I think the Army started in 1979. And then all the other service branches um, also developed their own EFMP, I think, in the 80s. Okay. But it was variable. Like each service branch, you know, implemented it differently. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just wasn't standardized at all. But it's a program for those who have a family member with a special medical or educational need. And it's a, it's a mandatory program. Like you, you don't okay. have a choice. You have to enroll in this. So the idea is that they don't want to move you somewhere. That may not yes, have yes. the medical care um, or the education support, you know. So yeah. they want to kind of flag those families to make sure that, hey, we're not going to move you to Korea yeah. <laughs> now, do you they think, don't have this, you know. Do you think that every family signs up for the Exceptional Family Member Care Program? No. No, I, 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 I've interviewed a few <laughs> families that, that – um, a, weren't aware of it. B, I don't know what the reasoning is, but have not taken that step to sign up. I don't know whether it's because they feel it. And this is crazy to say, but I don't know. Is it, do they feel that there's some kind of stigma attached? Um, uh, you know, like a couple I interviewed um, first in the series, they both um, have a special needs child and they both uh, took um positions where they knew they weren't going to be advanced, but they knew they would stay close to their kid, you know? So yes, um, I've met a few families where they haven't signed. Not up. surprising. Yeah. Not surprising. Why do you think that is? You know, I think that um, there have been cases, right. Where some families feel like they can't go to where their, their dream location might be, you know, because yeah. if they're enrolled in the FMP, they'll automatically, um, not be considered for it. Mm-hmm. Also, we don't have a lot of senior leaders talking about the program and saying, "Hey, look at my um, career." And we're an EFMP family, and we've made yeah. it to you know this point in my life, and that's that's a problem, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times these myths, you know, float around and are much stronger than than those who are actually advocating and, and proving that this program has benefits. Because um, right now, I don't know if families really know um, how it's going to help them. You know, Mm -hmm. in my perspective, and we've seen in our survey data that you're right, stigma is a huge issue and the fear of career progression not happening because they're enrolled in the program 
Um, so it's just a matter of really, I think the DOD doing a better job messaging like, hey, you know, we have supported these families so that they are able to continue their career, you know, and mm-hmm. they are able to continue to receive TRICARE benefits and um, respite care and some of the other benefits that come along with the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't understand sometimes why someone would want to hide some of that information and go to a place that was not able to support them. Like, you know, I could think of some of the folks who were sent to Italy and, um, you know, there's just, sometimes there's just not a lot there regarding yeah. um, the education piece and even the medical care. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, as you get older, you become more wiser of like, yeah, maybe this is a good idea to do this. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I know is um, sometimes when you are looked at for those overseas screenings, that's kind of when you have, you can't get out of it at that point. Yeah. When you're screened for overseas, there's a specific time they look at EFMP. Yeah. And you're either going to, you know, you're either going to be flagged for it or not. And um, it really should be prior to that, you know, in my opinion, because you want to make sure that these kids get the, the necessary care oh, that need. And yeah. I should say, I'm sorry, not just kids too, right? Because we've got the adults too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Some that, you know, need the care, whether or not it be mental health access or, you know, particular type of medical care needs, chronic needs. Um, you know, I think we often forget about our adults, know, you know, they're in I the know. program. I wish I could say how many, but I haven't been able to get a good percentage from the Office of Special Needs uh, regarding how many are children and how many are adults. adults. Um, but we do have a, a recent report on the adults in EFMP, and they feel, you know, that they have been ignored um, in this wow. program, and they don't see any benefits, really, of being enrolled in it. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we need to definitely tackle. Now, um, you, this organization, um, you founded the nonprofit in 2020. 21. Yeah. 21. Okay. 2021 officially. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because I was reading that and I thought to myself, wow, since 2021 and today, 2023, you guys really have actually accomplished quite a bit because you've managed to enact some changes in Congress um, in such a short period of time, that's that's so um, that goes to show what a powerhouse you are. We have an amazing team, and we have very passionate um, military spouses that feel very deeply about you know making this a better program mm-hmm. than it has been for us. Because ch- likely some of these changes that we're advocating for, we will not see. You know, so um, you know, we're very fortunate that the timing was just right. You know, in 2020, I had the opportunity to testify um, in Congress because of the work I was doing in the space about EFMP. And one of the things I really stressed was, you know, first of all, we need to standardize the program because it is just so different from the Navy, the Marine Corps Mm -hmm. to the Air Force. Our families don't have the time to kind of figure this out. It needs to be the same across the board. And I said, also, we need to have attorneys civilian special education attorneys at each of these sites so that when there is an issue, our families have a place to go. I didn't Mm -hmm. have that luxury, but they need to have somebody. Um, And that really got the ball rolling that next year in the NDAA, you know, there were attorneys, of course, it's a little different. It doesn't say civilian attorneys. Um, So some of the services are using JAGS. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marine Corps and Navy are using civilians. So um, I'm really excited about their model and how well it's working. And um, the standardization is finally happening to a certain degree. They just received, uh, I think they released the instruction in June. So we're seeing some standardization for enrollment 
disenrollment. And when you um, have a warm handoff from mm-hmm. one base to another base. So there's just some good things that are finally coming down the pipeline, but you know, it's taken constant um, advocacy on our level, mm-hmm. you know, to really make a difference. The other thing we did too, is we kind of sat around in the space and kind of looked around and said, you know, there's no data. There's really no data about our families, you know, and we kept asking different organizations, you know, like, can you do this? Can you do that? And because again, it's so niched, we're like, yeah, we're going to have to step up and do it ourselves. So we partnered with um, North Carolina State one year or UNC. And then the last two years, we partnered with oh, the Ohio State University. And uh, we got IRBs and did our own research because we needed to, to figure out really what was that lived experience, you know, for our families with, of course, the focus more so in education. But we kind of opened up the aperture to, you know, look at their EFMP in general, their medical care, um, even the adults in EFMP. And it has been fantastic to get that information and release our survey findings and use that information to educate our leaders, you know, those who are in the position to make change for policy and say, hey, this is what our data says. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this would be a great place to, you know, close this loophole or add this support. You know, this really would directly impact, you know, our military readiness and retention. And so I think that has really kind of separated us from like uh-huh. the rest of the the organizations is that you know we have those solutions we have that data and um we're hoping to equip you know our parents you know with resources based on the the, the gaps of knowledge you know and mm-hmm. um continue to work with those who can you know make those policy changes from the top down and so it's been a it's been a wild two and a half years and uh we're excited you know to see the changes that are happening and uh hopefully, you know, empower more of our families and, the, and our students, our kids, yeah. um, so that they can uh, have these great opportunities once they graduate from high school. And so it's a, it's fascinating um, how fast it's come. So I know we've, we've been able to fill the void that was there for, for this particular demographic. No, I mean, there is just so much to be done, so much that you have done in such a short period of time. Let let me ask you, how do you have, how do you create that balance between your advocacy work, being a mom, being a military spouse? How, how do you balance all of that? <laughs> okay, so um, that's a great question. It's really hard. And uh, I don't know if I'm doing such a great job at it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, let's be real, right? Um, you know, it's a real thing for that caregiver burnout, I will tell you. Uh, yeah. And uh you know, I think that I've learned in this past six months. So, uh-huh. you know, it took a while for me to learn it, but um, I really need to take care of myself more. And mm-hmm. I know we say that all the time yes. as uh, parents of special needs and care. Take care of yourself, take care of yourself. Now, when my daughter was younger, I would just laugh and go like, really, truly, no one's going to get her to therapy but me. Like it's mm-hmm. going to have to happen. So you really do put yourself last compared to everybody else in the family. Um, but to sustain the type of work that we're doing, I've, I've had to prioritize. And like, so now I'm trying to like, you know, get my workout routine going and eating better and, you know, not try to be in front of a computer all day where most of the work, you know, it happens, um, because you have to try to figure out how to sustain this, you know? And I think the other big thing, and I know that you probably had a problem with this is saying no, uh-huh. you can't be everywhere, yes. you know, yeah. and, um, saying no. And I think, you know, when you're first on this, you know, nonprofit organization world and 
trying to get your name out there. There were not a lot of no's initially, but now we're at the point where like, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I think we've, we've made a name for ourselves. If we, ha- we cannot make it, it's going to, you know, not be the end of the world for our organization. We just have to kind of balance it. You yeah. know, not very many other folks are in the exact same situation as, as we as still, you know, caretakers and, and uh, you know, doing the work that we're doing. So, you know, but if you can find that secret, I would love to know <laughs> what, that, what that balance is. I, I haven't quite figured it out 100%, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Girl, if I knew, if I had that secret, I'd be selling it, I tell you. I just like yourself. Sometimes I think, okay, I'm, I'm pretty balanced. And then something happens and I think, okay, I got a Zippo balance. You know, it's just, you know, I thought it was. No, it's not. Now, Michelle, let me ask you, how has this affected your husband's career or has it had any effect at all? You know, that's a really good question. Um, something I was worried about really at the very beginning, you know, of this this military journey. I, When we lived in Japan, um, there was an incinerator that was next to our base and it was viewing a lot of um, hazardous material type stuff, you know, from the incinerator. It was all legal, run by the mafia, and um, it was coming onto our base. We had a lot of families that were getting sick and a lot of unknowns. And so I kind of started advocating for that back when I was, you know, no kids and we didn't have a job. And so I always say, you know, an unemployed spouse is a dangerous spouse because we have time <laughs> on our hands. <laughs> and so I really started, ta- you know, writing our congressional members. And I, uh, you know, started getting information from the internet back in the day when you had to like dial it up on AOL mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was putting information in all the squadrons of the air wing and, um, you know, forcing the CEO to have town halls to address it. And you know, we got the Washington Post, you know, a reporter come out, you know, all the way from D.C. to um, Japan to kind of take a look. And so, you know, there was a lot of uh, pressure from some of the senior spouses, like kind of like, hey, Michelle, you, you might want to lay off on this because this is going to really, you know, affect your husband's career. And so I did. I kind of like stepped back. and like, oh, I didn't really think about that. You know, yeah. I talked to my husband about it. And he's like, don't worry, you're not wearing the, the uniform. You know, I am, and you are here to to help other families. And so I always kept that in the back of my mind. So end of story here. No, you know, um, being an FMP, you know, you do have to make sacrifices. And so some of the sacrifices that we've had to make is what we call um, co-locating or Mm geo-batching, where the family stays behind, but then my spouse goes to another tour somewhere else so that he can... um, get, you know, the, the proper training that he needs for career progression. And so we've done that several times. Um, one of the times is when he had to go be a CEO of a deep draft ship in Italy, we stayed behind because I just knew that Italy was not going to be able to meet the needs of my yeah. daughter. Um, there were other times where he was going through, you know, South Carolina and New York. They're all very short, you know, like nine months here, five months here, four months here. And I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it just because, my kids needed that stability. So again, that sacrifice piece, you know, is something that we had to kind of sit down as a family and, you know, my kids were settled here, finally getting their support and services. I I just couldn't get up and move with them. So I would say, no, um, it hasn't affected the career, but we, you know, we had to, to, you know, make those sacrifices. I've Mm -hmm. had to advocate, um, you know, for my children, there was a time where he was going to Rhode Island for a, a, a school there 
Mm-hmm. And it was about a year and a half. And it wasn't a location that was screened to be appropriate for EFMP. But I did my own research and saw that Boston Children's Hospital was only an hour and a half away, which anyone who's out there knows that Boston Children's Hospital is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I, we wrote a letter to the, you know, to the detailer saying, hey, we know this is not an approved location, but we have found you know, these wonderful services only an hour and a half away and our family's willing to do that. You know, we think this is going to be a great um, location for us, for the school. And they approved it. So these are the type of things that you can't, you know, you have to kind of like proactively search for them and do it yourself to make it work for your family. Um, And so we have. And uh, as a result, my daughter has received amazing care, you know, from various places um, so you just, again, you have to be your child's best advocate yeah. for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, the stories that I'm hearing again, I mean, a lot of families running to households simply because where, you know, mm-hmm. the child is situated is, you know, better for them, you know. Um, and again, then you've got, apart from the financial, you've got the emotional um factor to take into consideration when you're dealing with it by yourself and your rock, your support system has to be elsewhere, you know. Uh, Now, as your husband gets closer to retirement, what advice would you give to maybe a younger spouse who has a child that has just newly been diagnosed with a disability? What What advice would you give to them? So uh, many, many different pieces of advice. The first one is it's going to be okay. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I think it's just a, a huge change to your life and there's a lot of unknowns. So I think just to reassurance, like, you know, there's other people who have walked your path. So you need to find your tribe. You need to find those who've been down this path and um, lean on them, mm-hmm. whether they're in Facebook groups or in the local community, um, a best friend that you stay in touch with, you know, over the you know five, 10 years that you're in military service. I just think that you need to find your people and your tribe because of the mental health piece of it is so great um, when you think that you're alone. Um, so that's the whole point is, is to find people, find organizations like, you know, Partners in Promise and others that, you know, really cater to this, this area because it's a, it's like a marathon, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a sprint. There are going to be great times, you know, that you are like, wow, this is wonderful. We're, we're getting everything we need. And there's going to be tough times, things that come up that you didn't really anticipate. So um, you know, you really need to figure out um, who you can lean on to sustain, you know, this life to ensure that your your child has everything that they need. And then also, I would say, <clears throat> speak up. My goodness, yeah. become that advocate, because if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. You know, there were a lot of times I was sitting in meetings and I just was sitting back thinking, OK, they've got my child's back. And I shouldn't have. I should have, like, um, really been more forceful with with that, you know, trust your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of afraid, you know, to speak up. And I just thought, well, these are authority. They know what they're doing. So I would say, you know, become, you know, well-versed, do your research, um, and then speak up and become that, that your child's best advocate. And um, the last thing maybe is um, you can't always solve problems on your own. You know, find mm-hmm. those other people who are like-minded like you, that are passionate about you, because, oh, my goodness, the change that you can do and to positively, you know, impact generations that come after you. You know, there's there's no end to it. So just find those folks. It re-energizes you when you're feeling at your lowest, um, knowing that there's other people who are beside you that are ready to, to come along with you and to um, make that change. It's just incredibly powerful. And so, you know, find those people. 
um, and make that change because uh, it, 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 that's the kind of legacy that you want to leave behind. You know, um, I can't imagine. I mean, it's hard enough having two kids, just two kids and being a military <laughs> spouse. So I, I cannot imagine how high your plate has been piled um, along with some of the other people that I've been very fortunate to to speak to recently about, you know, having children, um, you know, that have some special needs. As a community, what can we do more of to help? That one's an easy one. I think support, right? Support mm -hmm. these families. Um, you know, look who's invited to the table when people are discussing military families. Are there, you know, the families with the most vulnerable children at that table? Mm -hmm. um, we need that boots on the ground representation when the people are talking policy or, you know, how can we do more for this community? Um, and definitely make sure that they're, you know, somehow engaged locally with the schools um, so that they can help them in transitions, make sure that there's good respite care in the community. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't really pump that program up, but man, we would not be here without respite care. There were times, like you said, when my spouse was gone for a year and a half. And so if it wasn't for someone who was coming to help, you know, with our family and giving me those opportunities to, to have some rest and respite, um, we would not have been able to sustain this. So, you know, how do we you know, increase that type of support in the community and lend the hand, you know, find out who your neighbor is. If they're a military family, if you think they have a child with special needs to ask, how can I help you? Um, Cause they just want to feel like seen and heard. And sometimes we're so tired and so stressed and so burnt out. You know, mm -hmm. may not have the capacity to, to sustain a lot of social interactions with folks. Um, so it does require, I think, you know, a little help from our community, just keeping an eye on us. Um, you know, and also support the work of those organizations who are doing great things for our community, support PIP, um, support others, you know, share our surveys when they go out, little things, you know, follow us, you know, and mm -hmm. invest in us and our resources um, because they directly support our families. For instance, um, we just recently developed a special needs binder um, oh, that wow. will help all of our families, no matter where they are in this journey. Every time you move, you can download this binder and you can um, track all the information of all the specialists, but then also know what your rights are mm -hmm. um, for special education or be a 504 plan. Um, and it really will help them because I think the more prepared and more organized, yes. the better advocate you can be. And so just kind of letting other folks know there are organizations that are specialized in this and they're there to help. So just maybe connecting um, with our folks. And I will say, you know, our team is amazing. They're all volunteer military families led, you know, mm -hmm. um, with our spouses and they're incredible advocates. They're passionate. They want to make a difference. And so with that community support, I think together we can really, you know, impact our military readiness and retention for these families because we found through our recent survey that despite the incredible amount of stress that they're under, they still are willing to serve. And that yes. really is the bottom line. Yeah. They want to serve. Let's do what we can to help them um, sustain this and, and thrive um, and do what they want to do to serve this great country. Now, how do people get in touch with you? How do people go to your website? Let's give out the information about your Instagram, um, all of your social media. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if I know all the handles, but you can reach us at um, the www.promiseact.org, thepromiseact.org. And so there you can find all of our resources 
Um, our email is info at partnersandpromise.org. We're happy to, to have people connect with us. We have a newsletter that we ask people to subscribe to so they can see what we're doing um, and the type of resources that we're rolling out. And it's there at the website. If they go across the tabs, they'll see special needs binder. And they can go in there and customize. We have four different binders that they can choose from, depending if they're a family member, if they're a teacher or an ally or a leader in the community, if they have a 504 plan, um, or even if they're an adult in the EFFP community. So you can customize it and, um, you know, download that and be able to start you know, navigating your your own child's um, journey through this, through the special education. And uh, yes, we have Facebook partners in promise. Um, of course, I think we have Twitter, we have Instagram, you name it, we have it. We're in LinkedIn, just do partners in promise. You'll find us there. But um, I would say probably the most um, engaging of the formats would be, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn. I think that's really where we are the most, um, you know, I, I don't know if we have enough younger people, you know, within <laughs> yeah. our organization to do the whole IG thing all the yeah, time. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> oh, it's exhausting as it is, right? But, uh, you know, we connect where our families are. So, yeah. um, and hopefully in this next year, we might have some new partnerships too, to be able to, to continue to support um, the peer-to-peer network. So we'll, that will be coming soon. So looking forward to talking more about that in the future. Well, I would love to have you on the show again in the future just to see what the updates are, see what's happening now, what changes there are. I think the binder, being able to download that binder, whichever state, whatever base you are on, where it's going to give you some relevant information is invaluable. Because the the, the parents that I've spoken to, again, a couple that do way before the Google Times, you know, uh, <laughs> Man, we had to pick up a phone and we had to go just, you know, see people. And it it really does. um, I think, first of all, it gives people, like you said, hope that somebody's been in their shoes. They have put something together that is now going to help them. You know, Um, Michelle, you've given us a lot of information today and I am truly blessed that you're you're on the show to be able to give this information out it's important and i know myself now talking to a lot of families that there is a need to get a conversation going because there should be no stigma attached no child should be left in the lurch because they've got to go through an iep again you know um and yes, it takes parents to be loud and to be the squeaky wheel to get things done. So kudos, huge kudos to you and your partners for um, setting up Partners in Promise. Thank you so much, Surrender. It is so wonderful to have someone like you amplifying the voices of these families and uh, others who um, are doing great things in the community. And yeah. so it's just an honor to be asked to share and uh, anytime we can help support you as well, um, you can always count on us. We are here for you. But um, thank you again for having us and being able to, to talk about our mission and, and what we're doing for exceptional military families. Well, thank you, Michelle. You have been listening to The Good Show. I am your host, Sarinda Good. Join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about childcare within the military arena. Thanks for listening to today's show. Press that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Leave me that review so we can get more pro-military folks involved with growing this platform. If you've got a story to tell and you want to be on the show, then go to my website, thegoodshow.com. That's G-O-O-D-E show.com. Press the contact button and drop me an email. My name's Sarinda. 
I'm your military gal, and I'm out.